Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, all right, I'm Chris. Thank you for joining me. And we are in the fifth week of our In Secret Message series. And uh, we got one more to go, and I'm just really thrilled that you joined me today. So in this message series that we're in, we've been talking about a section of teaching where Jesus addresses how we are to live out our faith if we are followers of his. Specifically, he's talking about our occasional desire to practice our faith for the attention and recognition of other people. And he's been contrasting how we should live out our faith and live out um, the religious practices we engage in with the religious practices of the very religious people of his day, the people who he called hypocrites. Now, these were people who were publicly practicing their faith so that they could get the praise and honor from other people rather than giving honor to God. And in the middle of this section of teaching, Matthew, who is one of Jesus' disciples and the author of the Gospel of Matthew, he takes a little bit of a detour while he's talking about the power of praying in private in order to highlight another one of Jesus' teachings on prayer, and that is the Lord's Prayer. And before Matthew gets back into what Jesus said about the power of living out the aspects or certain aspects of our faith in private, Matthew takes one more little detour to highlight something else that is very important to Jesus and something that's important for us. It's something that Jesus actually addressed in the Lord's Prayer, and that's forgiveness. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 12 in the Lord's Prayer. He says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, I know that anytime we talk about forgiveness, almost everyone checks out. Uh, half of us check out because we don't think we have a forgiveness problem, right? Or, or maybe, you know, we have never really been hurt so bad by someone that we feel like we have anything that we need to forgive. And then the other half of us check out because it's like, well, Chris, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they did to me. And if you did know, and if you did understand, then you would understand why forgiving them is just a big ask and it's just too much. So whichever side of the, that you're on, before you check out, I would just like to ask you to hang with me for just a few minutes, okay? Because I think that you will be surprised at how important this is, forgiveness, to your relationship with God. Now to start, I, I'll just start by confessing that we have a forgiveness issue in our house and it's all about toilet paper. So my kids share a bathroom, and let's just say that one of my girls has a bad habit of not replacing the toilet paper on the roll when it runs out. And since I have two daughters, you have a 50-50 chance of guessing which one, but I'll never tell. So a few weeks ago, my son Calvin, he knocks on my door and he comes into my room and I could just tell that he was fuming mad. And so I asked him, I was like, Calvin, what's wrong? I'm thinking that something really bad had happened, right? And Calvin's like, someone used all the toilet paper and they didn't replace it. They always do that. He was so mad. So to calm him down, I sent a text to everyone asking them to please put the toilet paper back on the roll when they're done, if it runs out. And do you want to guess what happened? They didn't put the toilet paper on the roll. So what happens now is that every once in a while, we will all get this message from Calvin on our family chat with no text, just a picture, this picture. 
Now you may just see an empty roll of toilet paper. But what we all see is the burning hot rage of a thousand suns. And Calvin has a hard time letting it go, like I'm sure many of us would. But then Jesus teaches us to pray like this in Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, he's not just building in a prayer habit but he's actually highlighting something that is crucially important for his followers. In fact, it's so important that Jesus adds a commentary to, to this section at the end of the Lord's Prayer, the only commentary he makes on the Lord's Prayer in addition to what was already in it. And in Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that's a spicy meatball right there, okay? If I don't forgive others, God won't forgive me? I mean, is that really true? Is forgiving other people really so important to God that he would withhold it from me if I don't do it? And if this is true, that forgiveness is such a big deal to him, then to me, I think we need to understand what it really looks like and when we need to do it. And so to do that, we're going to take a look at a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18 that I think brings clarity to this. And this is where it starts in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who'd borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, Jesus often told parables to help people, to help us understand what God is like, what his kingdom is like, and, and how he expects his followers to live and relate to both God and other people. And in the story that Jesus is telling right here, God is represented by a king. And, and we are represented by these servants who owe the king a debt. And there's a couple things of note that are kind of cool. The servant here, he owes a ton of money. In the New Living Translation, it's translated as millions of dollars, just to kind of give us perspective from our cultural, you know, perspective. But in the original Greek, it says that the servant owes 10,000 talents. To give you an idea of how much that is, on the very low end, okay, the super low end, it's estimated that a talent was equal to five years of wages. It means if you lived back then, it would take five years to earn one talent this guy owed 10,000 talents. He would have had to work for 50,000 years, giving every dime of his salary to pay this debt off, which basically means this, that he could never pay it off. He could work a lifetime and still owe all of it. This was a huge debt. Story continues in verse 25. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay his debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. So in the ancient world, if you owed a debt and you couldn't pay it, you and your family could be sold into slavery to make it up. And even up until like the mid 19th century, we had these things called debtor's prisons. They were jails where people would be locked up until their debts were accounted for. The servant in the story, he owed the king a huge debt and he couldn't pay it. And so his debt came due. And when it did, 
The servant begged for mercy. And he told the king that if the king would just give him more time, he could pay all of it, which we already know is literally impossible. His debt was so large, he will never be able to pay off that debt. Jesus continues in verse 27. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Now in this, we see a principle of forgiveness, one of two that we need to be aware of. Two sides of forgiveness, and really this is the first, and it's this. God's forgiveness is huge. It's massive. It's all-encompassing. It doesn't matter the size of our sin or the debt that we owe him. God has wiped out the debt of our sin to him through Jesus' death and resurrection. And Jesus could have stopped right there at how huge God's forgiveness is, and we would have a great message on the power of that forgiveness. But Jesus has more to say about it, and he continues in verse 31. Or I'm sorry, verse 28. He says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, and, and he begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. So where Jesus has just given us a full picture of the beauty of forgiveness in showing how the king forgave this servant, now we see what unforgiveness looks like. The servant who'd been forgiven of millions of dollars in debt, he refuses to forgive someone else who owes him much, much less. The story continues, verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in who he had forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? I mean, listen to that again. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in that statement, we find our second side of forgiveness, our second forgiveness principle. It's that God expects our forgiveness to be huge, just like his forgiveness is huge. He expects us to show mercy and grace to others with the same measure that he has shown it to us. But the story continues, verse 34. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. I mean, that is, that sounds harsh. And if you, if you think this is kind of harsh, you aren't wrong. In fact, Jesus told a lot of stories to describe what God is like. And in all of those parables, this is one of only two times that he describes God as being angry. And it's interesting, in this story, the king wasn't angry over the original debt that was owed. In fact, he wasn't angry that the servant promised to do something that he could never do when the servant promised to pay back the debt. What infuriated the king was when his servant 
refused to give to others what had been given to him when he refused to offer forgiveness. I mean, Matthew 5, 7, we talked about this a couple months ago, says that blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When we refuse to extend mercy, we are not following Jesus. When we refuse to offer forgiveness to others, we are not living out his kingdom values. And it means this, means that followers of Jesus are to forgive others the way that God forgave us. Followers of Jesus are to forgive others the way God forgave us. And if we are to do that, I think there are two questions that we need to answer as I kind of wrap this up. And the first question is, how did God forgive us? And the second is, who should we forgive? So let's start with the second one. Who should we forgive? Mark eleven twenty five 25 says that when you stand praying, if you hold anything against some, anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So this is kind of a parallel accounting of this teaching that Jesus gave on forgiveness. And in Mark's account of this teaching, he tells us who exactly we are to forgive. And that's anyone we hold anything against. Now, this is important, right? Because our traditional understanding of forgiveness is that we are to forgive people who have wronged us. But that's a small understanding of the kingdom that Jesus has called us to live out in the world. See, the kingdom of God is all about being reconciled to God and being reconciled to each other, living in right relationship with each other. And that's that's bigger than just being right with the people who have wronged us directly. In fact, Jesus says, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So we have to ask, who are the people we hold things against? Are they the people whose politics are different than ours? People who are against masks and vaccines or people who are for masks and vaccines? Are the people we hold things against the people who believe different things than we do or have different sin issues than we do or don't live the way that we think they should? Are they the people who make us uncomfortable with the way they live, the way they think, the way they post on social media or with what they believe to be true? You see, forgiveness is a reconciliation of relationship. And if you are allowing something that you don't like or or something that you disagree with in someone's life, to interfere with that relationship with them. As a follower of Jesus, you have an obligation to extend mercy in that situation, the same way that God did to you. Forgiveness is not just a mercy we give to those who have hurt us. It's an ongoing mercy extended to people who we have a problem with for the purpose of reconciled relationships in the kingdom of God. Which lands us at that second question. Not just who should we forgive, but how did God forgive us? Well, we can see in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, how God forgave us. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature had not yet been cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. And get this, he canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. When God forgave you, He canceled the record of your sin. It's gone. It was like it never happened. Like you had never sinned at all. God's forgiveness is rooted in the fact that when he looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. 
He doesn't see our sin. And because of that, we are welcomed into his family, into his kingdom, into relationship with him as if we were sinless and perfect. Just like Jesus is sinless and perfect because that's how huge his forgiveness for us actually is. It's once and for all time. Can we say the same about how we see others? About how we forgive others? I mean, if I'm being honest, I would probably have to say no. See, we tend to see people's sin first. We tend to label them as their sin and then we, we treat them as their sin. But what if we saw people the way God does? What if we didn't treat people as their sin and instead we treated them the way that God has treated us, forgiven to the extent that it's as if we had never sinned at all? If we're gonna forgive others with the same measure that God has forgiven us, that is what's required to see others, particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ, as if they had never sinned at all. If they are forgiven by God, our posture towards them must be the same. So in order to expose what may be in our hearts, let's ask ourselves the following questions. So first, ask yourself this. Who do I need to forgive? Is there someone who's hurt me, who's offended me, who's wronged me, and I haven't been able to let that go? And then second, ask this. Am I treating someone differently in action or in attitude because I'm holding something against them? Is there someone who I am honestly just not in right relationship with because something about the way they live, something about the way they think or believe bothers me? And I'm holding on to that, letting it affect that relationship. And then finally, do I see and treat people as their sin instead of as a beloved child of God? I mean, are there those in your life who are people to be avoided rather than people to be loved? Jesus tied our forgiveness to how we forgive others. And then when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, he gave us a template to pray for their forgiveness, even as we pray for our own, to link their forgiveness to our forgiveness. And he showed us how passionate God is about forgiveness. And he showed us the anger that God feels when we are unforgiving towards others. And it's time for us to live up to the standard of mercy that God showed us by extending that same level of mercy and grace to others. It's time for followers of Jesus to walk in radical and in huge forgiveness. And I'll just tell you this, if you're watching this right now, and you are feeling like the weight and the burden of your sin is so big that no one could ever possibly forgive it, that you could never be made right with God because of the things you've done, the things you've said, the things you've felt, that maybe the things that you think you are. Let me just tell you right now, God's forgiveness is huge. And there's room for that forgiveness to come into your life and make you right with Him. Because the kingdom of God is all about reconciliation. And God can reconcile you to Him today. He's offering that forgiveness to you if you just ask for it. And if you do, I would just encourage you, when you fill out your connection card, check the box that says, I want more information on being a follower of Jesus, or the box that says, I want to become a follower of Jesus. And we will connect with you because I want you to know and experience the forgiveness of God 
Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.